the entertainer mindset is so key. And like all the stuff that I teach now at Startup Hype, man, like lesson one is always think like an entertainer because the entertainer has one goal in mind and that is elicit a response from their audience, like make an emotional connection with them. And I think anything communication related, that's what you're going for. You're trying to generate an emotional connection and get a response from your audience. And if you keep that mindset, you realize it's not about you, it's about them. But in realizing it's about them, you actually get the best version of you. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the hidden side of modern work. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach of Career Therapy, and today I want to welcome a longtime friend and former business partner, Raj Nation, to the podcast. Raj is the founder of Startup Hype Man, he's a rapper and a yogi, and we also ran a small business together back in the day called Idea Lemon, which set the foundation for both his business and career therapy. In our conversation, we talk about how to build a career you don't need to retire from, the true meaning behind passion, and how to form a healthy sense of self-identity in both our work and our lives. If you like this episode, I hope you'll check out Raj's work at Startup Hype Man, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, and leave a review and share with a friend who might be interested in these convos. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Raj. Let's just go back, man, because we, you know, our journey started, what, 2000, when did we meet? 2007, eight? I think it was 2007, because it was DMA, right? Yeah, maybe 2006, uh, but like, seven, before yeah, we like took it over, it was, yeah, it was my freshman year and your sophomore year. Yeah. So we would have met then, and then Idea Lemon started in 2012 in like the spring, and then Idea Lemon full-time was spring of 2015. And you have a good memory for dates. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's all associated with like different like trigger events that happened. Oh, really? Because like I know, I, I know when I left my job, right? Um, which was December 31st of 2014. Uh, and then I, I also remember like we recorded that first podcast in Belize in January which then released in March. So, you know, I have these, again, these different like trigger events that I associate with things we've done too. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's just all big blur to me. Just one huge blur of, <laughs> of starting and stopping and leaving jobs and building projects. But uh, no, it's so fun, man. Um, and so today I, I'm just really excited to get into like building a career that you don't need to retire from. Cause I think you and I are both of that same mind. And we got on this idea early on, um, probably through some looking back, maybe not the healthiest, like, advice on the internet <laughs> of like ways to live your life right because uh we we definitely got swept up in a um like a, a i don't know if you'd call it a fad what, what would you sort of how would you reference the wave that we were in being young and dumb millennials yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we were young and dumb millennials i like we thought it. we knew everything <laughs> definitely didn't know still don't will never um but yeah and and there were just so many things, you know, I think there was some good stuff that stood out there, uh, like that still resonates with me. But there's a lot of stuff that I've looked back on and been like, oh, wait, there are definitely better ways to approach your career uh, than what we were studying at the time and learning at the time. But um, at what point did you start thinking about your career a little bit more like, you know, we're sort of raised with this idea of work till you retire, then enjoy your life, right? 
Um, at what mm -hmm. point did that start to change for you? I don't know if I can pinpoint a specific like turning point. I think I just, it's probably a combination of like micro events that came together, right? So like we started our side business. We did that for a couple of years on the side. Then we made it a main business or a full-time business and that didn't work out, but then we still kept doing entrepreneurial things from there. And so I think, and I'd have to probably draw it back to like that initial like bug of like just doing something ourselves. And even before then, right? We did stuff in college. Um, and I think if you have this like natural tendency to almost like keep yourself busy in a way. I don't mean that in the wrong way though. Like just this tendency to just, to do more than the job you're paid for by an employer. Um, I think that just starts to create this mindset of like, what else can I do or what more can I do? Or my job is not everything. Um, but I think it also starts to create this notion of like, how can I do meaningful work? Whether that is through your job or through otherwise. And for me, again, I don't know the exact moment, but I know I have started over the last few years to look at my career as just a series of projects. And Idea Lemon was a project. And it's funny because I, I feel like we had conversations about this like during Idea Lemon. I think so, about yeah. like Right, like, um, like we released like albums or records and that's like, but that's like you're like, career in that moment is the album you were working on. And I think it's at that point we were starting to talk about it. We didn't really know how to execute it. I still don't totally know how to execute it, but I have more, more of my wits about me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I look at all these things as just like, okay, startup hype man is, is my current project. I fully do not expect this to be the thing I'm doing in 30 years. Um, Cause who wants a 60 year old hype man? <laughs> um, but it'll be another project that is in line with who I am and I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the importance of like the why behind all of this and making decisions from the why which for me is um, expression uh, and voice and so everything that I do is going to have something to do with expression and voice and so right now I have this project and it might be a different project later. I like the fact that you're thinking about what it would look like, the, the optics of what it would look like for you to be doing the exact <laughs> same thing today when you're 80. Because um, I think about that all the time. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you and I clicked early on, because we were like, am I going to be doing this exact same thing when I'm 40, when I'm 50? And like we had conversations with people who were our, you know, elders, let's just use the word, because uh, we were what, sure. like 23, 24 at the time. And we were <laughs> like, do you like your life? And um, I'm not sure what your conversations looked like, but for me, it was like this really brutal series of conversations with people who I liked, they were great people. And we, they were the people that I would go to happy hours with and hang out with. And they all seemed really unhappy. And it kind of shook me early on, like really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, um, even with career coaching, I get that same thought all the time. I'm like, who wants to listen to a 80 year old career coach? Like talk about, like, clearly I'm not going to have an idea of what TikTok is or whatever the version is in, you know, 50 years when I'm 80. So like, what am I going to be doing 
at that point in time. And a lot of people picture being on a beach or picture all these different things. But, you know, when it comes to that self-expression and that voice that you're talking about, what kind of imagine imaginative scenarios go through your head when you think about, you know, aging, let's say gracefully? Huh. That's an interesting question. I think, so it's always been in the back of my head is, uh, I feel like it's inevitable that at some point I will get into like acting of some kind or being on a screen or something like that. Um, and I'm already starting to do elements of that, like with like MC work and announcing work. Um, like I'm coming up here in June, I'm announcing another MMA fight for my one client Nice. Like I'm the ring announcer for, or the cage announcer, I should say, um, which to me is like dream come true, right? And I did that once a couple of years ago, and it was, it was just so cool. And it was broadcast on NBC Sports, which is just like, like how, how insane is that? And I did not that's know that. The kind that's of awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. Which is, I'm just like, man. I, I, I literally, if you go to my site now, NBC Sports is one of like the logos on it. So um, cool. So that kind of stuff is probably what I'll get more and more into is literally using my voice, which I think will probably age fine. Um, whereas like needing to be like the guy who's delivering workshops to a room of hungry young entrepreneurs, maybe that'll fade away. Um, but I mean, there's too much, um, there's too much of an itch. And I think I've done enough, um, almost like priming for myself to be able to pursue the itch at some point where I'm not like, oh no, I'm not the type of person who would blank or I can't pursue that because blank. Uh, I, I, I think it'll happen at some point. Yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned the you know acting piece because back when we were going, when we were doing a lot of our work together and actually I think like right after Idea Lemon, I did a lot of improv classes and different things because I was trying to overcome a lot of fears I had around, you know, creating content, putting stuff out there and, um, and being myself on camera. And that's a daily challenge that I have for myself with the live streams of just like, I know I'm somewhat boring, but can I do that in front of people and like be comfortable with it without mm -hmm. having to like put on a face or anything. But I'm, I'm, I like that you're kind of bringing in those entertainment aspects because in a sense, a lot of business and especially in this world of sales and things like that, the line between what is entertainment and what is business, I think is blurring more and more every year. And, you know, you're someone who's really interested in, you know, wrestling as we can see by the belt behind you. <laughs> um, and, you know, we had these conversations early on about like Hulk Hogan and like how he's, you know, really old and still has to wear a yellow bandana and like while traveling right. and, um, and, and you've just sort of got this perspective of, of that wrestling world, which seems to bleed so much into life. And I'm curious, you know, what, what are some of the lessons that you take from the wrestling world that you've seen inform the way you live and, and work? There's probably a future blog post called Everything is Wrestling that's, that I haven't written yet that should be written because I, I think it is true. <laughs> um, so the entertainer mindset is so key. And like all the stuff that I teach now at Startup Hype Man, like lesson one is always think like an entertainer because the entertainer has one goal in mind. And that is 
elicit a response from their audience, like make an emotional connection with them. And I think anything communication related, that's what you're going for. You're trying to generate an emotional connection and get a response from your audience. And if you keep that mindset, then you realize it's not about you, it's about them. But in realizing it's about them, you actually get the best version of you versus obsessing over, oh, can I do this? Can I not? How's it going to look, right? You just kind of like go for it because you say what's in the best interest of the audience. Um, so that, it's funny because like I teach that to others, but I also very much do that myself with my content, um, with uh, how I put together like materials for clients, um, and also in what I study and research. So like, yeah, I'll look at like what sales leaders are doing or sales advice is or pitch advice is, but then I also will look at what's happening, like what's a piece of entertainment that I can pull from or what's something seemingly un, seemingly like doesn't fit, but actually makes a ton of sense. Like my whole methodology around building a sales pitch deck is, is a replica of the Hamilton musical, but, but how would you do that if you were pitching someone? And because I, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is actually a really good way to get someone through a story arc and it makes a ton of sense. And then I actually found that probably unintentionally, but somehow intentionally, it's very similar to how Steve Jobs did the, um, the original iPhone keynote. Like it follows that similar story arc. Um, it's very similar to how Martin Luther King did his I Have a Dream speech. So I'll like find something entertainment wise and I'll like corroborate it against other examples. And that just keeps being my, this reminder to me that, yeah, this is really the path. Like you said before, the lines are blurring. Like I'm the, like, if there's anyone out there, I think it's me who's trying to push these lines and get them to cross and, and make entertainment business and business entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's, it, we, you and I are both in the worlds of, of communication and there's, if there's anything that entertainers are good at, maybe not, you know, being totally on the ball with, you know, political singing videos and stuff during pandemics. But uh, <laughs> if you've seen any of what Gal Gadot has done, but um, there's, there's, uh, there's plenty of like, if you want to learn good communication, you go to where communication is everything, right? Um, mm -hmm. You go to the world of entertainment. Uh, now that sort of reminds me of I just finally got around and I'm like, I can't believe this movie's been out for as long as it has. I finally got around to seeing The Wrestler. Have you seen that? Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And it, it ends, you know, so tragically, right? Because he has that singular identity. He, he never finds any other outlets for it. And mm -hmm. he decides to just push himself to the end there. If you if it's spoiling it for you, I mean, come on. I know I got to a late, but anyway, it's been like uh, ten years. Now. <laughs> it's been ten years. So, you know, I think that there's some interesting lessons in there. Like, what when you look at the wrestlers that you grew up on, and you look at where they're at now, or the generation before them, um, or you just look at entertainers in general. Like, I study comedians a lot. Um, where do you see it go wrong? Like, is there a lack of evolution? A lack of um, experimentation? What are some of the things that you think lead to people burning out early instead of being able to continually evolve? It does come back to like that Hogan example we talked about before and that we, uh, you and I talked about for years, which is like this trapped in a singular identity um, and a single representation or a manifestation of yourself. Um, 
where you know you have to be wearing the bandana and the yellow cutoff to be recognized or like or you're worried like you're ruining your image that kind of thing um and what you what's interesting now with a lot of wrestlers and not just wrestlers but like athletic talent in general is this launch of like using their name as a platform not just using their name for their job um so you'll see like you'll see professional athletes who are also like streaming on Twitch because they're playing whatever video game. And it, and it may not even be like, like the NFL player may not even be playing Madden on Twitch. He may be playing like Fortnite. Right. Um, and then using their, their brand as like an investment vehicle. Uh, you have all these athletes and all these celebrities who are investing in other businesses. Um, you have some of them getting in on like NFTs now too. Right. So I think it's this, it's like, and here's the part that I don't think I don't think we totally had several years ago. You've got to like make a name in something to enable doing the other things. And The Rock is a really good example of that, right? Like very diverse in all of his offerings. Wrestler, actor, director, you now you got a TV show, comedian, right? All these different things. Singer. Um, the part I think we were lacking before that I took a while to understand it was like you got to pick something and commit to that for a good while in order to open up the other things doesn't mean you can't also do the other things to some extent but you cannot be equally invested in four different things at the same time while you're still on the come up and I think that was my issue. Like when we were doing idea lemon was I was trying to do four different things at once equally. Cause I was like, no, no, that's the, that's the way. And it's like, it is, but it's not, it, it's the way after you've established yourself in some way. So today, what do I do? I have startup hype man. Right. Um, but I also teach yoga and I make music and I'm, I do some DEI work as well, but the lead is startup hype man. And the other things still come, come from my why and they're very, they're influenced by my why and their manifestations of my why, but I have a lead and I know that's the priority. And then knowing that's priority, what can I do with that? Well, I started just bringing music into the business so I can have this craft, but have it be part of what I'm doing here. Yeah. It's the secondary supporting the primary. Right. And so, yeah, um, I'm trying to do that a little bit with like my artistic stuff on the side too. Um, trying to develop those pieces and then bring them in as well. And so when, when you think about the primary, right. Um, what helped you figure out what your primary was when you had so many different things going on? And it, it really is kind of getting through that like noise, right? Getting through that period of, of noise. But what was it that helped sort of shake it out? Was it just like, that's where the money was? Was it that's where the passion is? What, what was your process? Um, money, yes. Because um, I look at what can, what can I you know, earn a living off of? And I guess one could make the argument that I still don't know that. Um, but okay, let, let's take, let's just take a very tangible like example. We're at middle, we're approaching fall, we're late summer of 2016. You and I have decided we are shutting down Idea Lemon. I have recently been certified to teach yoga, but I make a conscious decision to not pursue yoga as a full-time career for a couple reasons even though I enjoy it very much and I, I very much feel it's in line with who I am. 
one, it's not a game that I necessarily want to play of like chasing down studios and having to be on this side of town and then that side of town and all that stuff. And grant, I mean, I understand by saying that there are other ways to make it as a yoga instructor, but at least take what I understood it to be at that point. Um, I knew I, that was just not a game I wanted to play. Um, I knew it fulfilled me, but teaching several classes in a day over and over again would not continue to fulfill me. I would, I would not, um, it wouldn't like light me up each class. And then the passion side is interesting because I, I talk about this a lot uh, in different outlets, the, the true understanding of passion, which most people I think misunderstand. So when people talk about their passion, typically they think about like, oh, it's the thing that I love. Um, you know, I feel really good when I do it, et cetera. And those are all, those are all exist, yes. But the, and I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, but the Latin root of passion is passi or pati, which means to suffer or to undertake. So you take the movie, The Passion of the Christ. It's not saying the amazing cool, really hip life of Jesus Christ. It's saying he the sure suffering. loved crosses, you know, he's <laughs> really into them. Um, he might need to edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> let him come for me. Um, it was the, the suffering of Christ, right? Like that's, that's what the theme of the movie was. And that's where I think more people need to write when they talk about their passion or when they think about what is their passion, it's, it's not only the thing that you love, it's the thing you're willing to suffer for to see through. It is the thing that even on your worst day, you'll still show up. Even when it hates you, you will still show up for it. Um, or even when it doesn't give you anything back, you still show up for it. And for me, that's like this idea, at least at that point in life and still today of, um, of like, pitching right and where and with ideal I mean, it was pitching on an individual level of like a for a person's career i i got the opportunity actually because of your help the introduction or your with the referral anyway with bunker labs to work with all these entrepreneurs in an incubator and help them with their company pitch and that was the thing i was like this is actually the most fun i've ever had but it's also the thing i find uh, even if I don't feel great that day, I'm still like, ah, I, I really want to do this or I have to show up for this. And it's the thing I found in my spare time. I was, um, I was like investing my time into learning more of. And the other aspect of it as well that I don't think should be overlooked is it's like, what's the thing that when you see someone not doing it well, it like, like you can't stand that right? Like it like eats at you. They're like, oh, if only they would. And then you like, you have this desire to chase after that. And that's what I found was very much my case. And it's, it's honestly like many of my early clients, it, it was like the salesmanship of it was the fact that I was just like, I was so personally vested in being like, you can't be that bad at this thing. Or like, like I see the vision for this. Let me work on this for you. And, and that's kind of, you know, you, you, in a way you, um, you, you manifest it or like you create the vision for it and it happens. Yeah. It, it reminds me of something I'm actually working on in therapy, which is uh, uh, because I'm someone who likes to mediate and make everything harmonious. Uh, I tend to ignore times when I'm angry or it comes out as like passive aggressive. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so 
one of the things that I've been uh, advised to do is listen to slash journal slash all the different stuff, but listen to the anger because it's directional. And I think that kind of plays into what you're saying here. It's like the emotions that come up when you're doing things or seeing things. We think that, that we're just reacting to the world, but really that's like, that's us. That's our brain talking to us. It's talking to us without words. Like you don't want to be doing this or you don't agree with this. So if I look back to early on in our, in our, you know, ideal lemon adventures, uh, you know, I was working at a bank and you know, credit, working on credit cards, selling credit cards. And one of the things that I thought was the worst thing that companies was do, that companies do to people is put them into debt. I think that like, that's just one of the most horrible places you could put someone is into debt. And so um, when, when I would go to work, I'd be like, is my entire job just ruining people's life, like getting them into debt? And I, there's a hundred arguments to be made on the positive, I'm sure. But that's what I was feeling at the time of like, I feel really unhappy in this role for a lot of reasons. But one of them is, I truly think this is having a negative impact on people if I do my job at its best. And um, that was something that, you know, I, you know, I, and I would have conversations with people that I worked with and they're like, well, some small businesses use credit cards to fund their business and other people do it for these things. And they have, there's rationales, of course. But I think listening to, whenever someone says like, find your passion, I love that you're calling out like the, what's the thing that you'll suffer for. And then also like what actually gets you going and not like, politics because the news or the algorithm is tricking me um but genuinely like in life what are the at things... a human level i think right yeah yeah and hey maybe it is politics like maybe you need to go into politics but i think generally speaking there's like sometimes we're so scared of feeling things like feeling good or like too good or too bad that we just go the safe route and we go for boring or bland or neutral or you know don't, don't shake it up. And I'm, you know, you and I both sort of trotted these, these paths that are fraught, let's just say fraught with a lot of different, (laughs) different potential uh, dangers. And I'm curious, you know, as you've been going through the struggle, right? What has that shown you about yourself and what you're passionate about and what, you know, where you see it all going? I think it's, I have been reflecting on this a little bit recently. And I think, and I say this because like, I'm sure you've had this as well, where people will tell you like, oh, you're really brave for doing your own thing for so long. Or like, oh, I could never take that risk. And I, I always used to like brush it off. It's like, ah, it's not whatever. It is what it is. Like, I don't, I don't think of it as a risk. It's just how I operate. And I started to like kind of reflect on it more. And I think what it, what it really comes to is I associate so much of my personal value with the work that I'm doing. And I don't mean like the extrinsic value. I mean, the intrinsic and the internal value around like, am I making a good use of my time here, here, meaning on this earth? I so closely associate that with the work that I'm doing that you know what? Yeah, I did. I mean, I've sacrificed seven years of, of working at another company at this point to do my own thing. And yeah, it's come with its many, many bumps and bruises along the way, more, more of those than, than wins, I would say. But 
I always feel like it's for something and I feel like I'm making forward progress and I don't feel like I'm wasting my time because I can see that there's a skill I'm pretty good at and there's certain things I don't know yet in terms of running a business that, that are figure outable. So that's fine with me. And I think that's how, like, I, I don't, I never really look at it as like the risk involved because again, I think I'm like, well, to me, the greatest risk is me trading in my value or my identity. And I don't say that to put down other people because I know not everyone associates value with the work they do. Like some people love a job that doesn't have much responsibility so they can like go home and be with their family at night, which I totally respect. The way I'm wired is I cannot, you know, be here eight, 10 hours a day and do something that I don't care about or feel like is the best use of my talents. Um, because then I, then I, I personally feel like I am, I'm not fulfilling my own potential or my own self-worth. I like the words you use though, the best use of your talents. I think that's also a really important thing to, to look at because I think some people's talents are more suited for jobs that you and I aren't as talented in. And, mm-hmm. um, and we're, we have more of a talent in this other direction. Again, a thousand things that still need to be figured out. But I do find that to be an interesting thing because that was a piece of advice that I got from my family early on. They were like, just stay at this company and move up. And I didn't know, and I still, I haven't really quite explained to them like, I was never going to move up. Like I had probably reached where I was going to reach in that company before they either said you're done or before like I had a full on breakdown, probably the latter. Uh, (laughs) And, and I think that that's really interesting because um, when you do start figuring out what your talents are, it's going to, and, and you lean into them, which is a big thing that we talked about a lot, right? Like how do you actually own the weirder parts of yourself and, and mm-hmm. go towards them. It's like, that is going to end up creating a lot of weird opportunities that, that then it, 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 it creates a lot of um, friction with the clear paths that are in the world, especially when it comes to our surroundings. Right. And so were there times where you thought about just going back into the old way of doing things over the years or has it has it kind of the ball started rolling and never stopped oh no i mean i <laughs> at least once a month i think i think ah should i just not do this um okay, and it's so less i'm not alone i'm not alone <laughs> yeah at least once a month if not once a week but okay so i and i even made a song about this a few years ago um about all the competing voices um, that I have in my head and that I think a lot of entrepreneurs have in their head around like the self-doubt and that kind of stuff. Um, I think the big thing is if I'm going to give up what I'm doing and let's just call what I'm doing independence, quote unquote, if I'm going to give up this lifestyle of independence which I'm not opposed to if the, you know, if the situation were right, because I look at what's, again, what was the best use of my talents and my time. And I could make the argument that as much as I love running my own business, 
I don't know if the best use of my time necessarily is some of the random administrative stuff that I just have to do. <laughs> um, so to me, I'm like, it has to be something that I am pulled towards not, or I'm pulled towards because the opportunity is attractive, not because I'm being pushed out of independence, out of entrepreneurship, because I couldn't hack it. Because if it's coming from a push place, from a place of, oh, like you couldn't make money, you know, month over month. And so now you have to go get a job, which I know Fear happens failure, to people, right? Right. Fear of failure right? or, or legitimate failure. Correct. To me, if, it, if, if let's call it getting a job came from that, came from, oh, like I ran out of money. Um, that is not the right place to be starting a new thing from. Because uh, you're not going to have self-confidence going into it. Then also, the second you start doing well, you're just going to have that itch to go back again. Or the second, you know, because even if you give up business, there's probably some side version of it you, you keep on doing. So the second you get some momentum with the side business, you'll be like, oh, you know, I, and then you're not even really invested. Versus the what if. When the it's what like, if back. yeah, exactly. It's the what if game. And I, I think that's different than you're doing well and you're making a choice to step away. It's like, you know, you're, you're Jordan leaving on top or you're Seinfeld leaving on top. It's not like your ratings tanked. And so then the show got canceled, your show got canceled. It's I'm choosing, I'm having success here. And now I want to have success in a different way. When it comes to this sort of border that you walk, this line that you walk between entertainment and business, um, I think there's this, there's an interesting question to be explored here where we see a lot of entertainers starting to do a lot of business stuff, right? Shaq and Kobe and everyone like mm -hmm. that, right? But I'm not so sure, and maybe I'm just not seeing it, um, of business people who already are on the business side doing the business stuff, going the entertainment route and like succeeding in that transition the opposite way. It's like the entertainers can succeed in business, but the business people don't succeed in entertainment. Um, maybe that's changing with Twitch and, and you know, TikToks and, and all the different things going on in the world. But for you, what do you see the, like when you think about the world of business, the world of entertainment, and you're kind of in between, has there been something that has, stopped you from going full-blown entertainer or like we've already kind of talked about going back to full-blown just straight business but what mm -hmm. what about that leaning the other way has there ever been something that has have you had those ideas of just like driving the business side going full actor entertainer or maybe that's like the future thought where where does that sort of idea rest in your head well i think that to me is like it's gonna happen at some point but I have invested a lot of myself into what I'm doing now and I enjoy what I'm doing now. And I, and while it's still on the come up, I don't want to hit the reset button and learn and, and, you know, and go to acting school and learn how to make it in that business. It's like, well, what did we said earlier, right? You got to establish yourself in something and then you can do these other things. I'm establishing myself right now. Yeah, then you doctor and, fill it up later or something. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So that's the way I look at it, right? I'm, I'm, I've picked, and, and I'll tell you, one of the best pieces of advice I got was from a mentor of mine four or five years ago. And he said, 
he said, look, if you choose yoga, I'm sure you'll be great at it. If you choose music, I'm sure you'll be great at it. If you choose business, I'm sure you'll be great at it. I just need you to choose something for your sake. Because he's like, if you don't pick a lane, you're just going to be, you know, like running in place with everything forever. And so I'm still in that lane again. And I have these other things going on, but I know what my focus, my primary focus is. And so this has not seen itself through. It's not even close to seeing itself through yet. So to leave and say, I'm going to do that instead is to, uh, I would say more than, more than anything, it's just to be like, couldn't make it here. So let me try something else. It's, it's to cop out, I guess. Cop out's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. And there's, there's a longer story, right? Like there's the, it's the difference between, you know, focusing on the present, focusing on the big picture and the future and everything like that. And how you're talking about it is a series of projects. Um, one of the things that you mentioned really early on in our combo here is the difference between meaningful work and being busy. And I'm curious, you know, with this, with work being such a big part of an entrepreneur's identity and, you know, some, especially with all of your interests, like there's a way to monetize every one of our interests, right? Mm -hmm. So where do you draw the line between this is work, this is maybe a project that could become work, and this is something that I'm not going to turn into work? Do you have any sort of lines that you've built? Hmm. To an extent, but it's also very easy for me to make something work. Like, uh, or make something a job, I should say. And a lot of the things that I have a strong interest in, I end up turning them into work, but I don't regret that either. So, you know, I've been paid for a handful of like DEI trainings, for example, but that's work that I feel is important. And I think if I'm going to put in the time for that, I should get compensated for it. Um, there are other things that I'm like, I'm like, no way, it's not, it's not worth my time. But there are things if I get like really interested in them, there in some shape or fashion, I'll. It's not even like I'm like, oh, I need to monetize this. It's just that like I take enough of an interest that it the monet. I don't know. I don't want this to be misunderstood. It's like it's like the monetization just kind of like shows itself. Um, and I, here's an example, right? With with one of my yoga studios, um, so last summer, summer of 2020 was like the great like awakening of so many people with the, the new civil rights movement. And I, that's something I, I'm, I'm very passionate about um, social justice and racial equity. And I'm talking to one of the studio owners at one of the yoga studios that I teach at. And I'm telling her, like, I'm just kind of like educating her on like the topic a little bit. And then I'm also like, and, and you, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this also actually spills over into what's been happening in yoga for decades now, which is like this idea of like, you know, colonization within the yoga landscape. And that was something that she was not familiar with before. And so I just like naturally just started like educating her in a conversation. And then a couple of weeks later, she was like, hey, would you be interested in leading a training for our staff on that topic? Because I think we all need to know that. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And I'm like, give me three months. So I have enough time to like prepare material and stuff like that. Like I created like, you know, a boundary of like, I can't do it tomorrow. I need time for this. But that's a case where I wasn't talking to her being like, 
you know what? She's going to hire me for this. I just was passionately talking about something. And then she recognized, well, this is something our whole team could benefit from. Maybe he could lead a workshop for us. Yeah. It's and not- now it's part, it's built into the training when new teachers get trained to go through the studio. Like I just did one last weekend actually with Minakshi, my wife, like we now lead it together, which is even more fun that we can do that together. All right. Fun's not the right word, but um, it's, it's very, I'm very grateful that we can do that together. Rewarding. Um, rewarding. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I try to stay away from using the word fun when it comes to um, like DEI education. Cause I'm like, I'm like, it's putting cultural trauma, generational cultural trauma on display for the benefit of others. So like fun is not the right word for that, but it is important work to do. Um, and, and again, I could not have predicted last summer when I'm just like talking because I'm passionate that I would lead to one workshop followed by any time they do a training class of new teachers, it's part of the curriculum because they value it as important. And do you feel that there's any lines in your identity, like who you are as a person versus who you are at work or in your work? Because one thing I do see a lot of times is, you know, someone identifies so much with their company. Maybe this is different because you're an entrepreneur, but, you know, I'll, I'll talk with someone who recently got laid off and it's not just the loss of a job. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. It's the loss of the security, the financial security it's the loss of the reputation because usually people get their reputation from their company or their work. It's the loss of the identity because your job title was your identity. Oh, I was a marketing manager and now I'm unemployed, which is not an identity at all. It's just like a, a nothing, right? And so I'm sure this is very different for you, but where are there lines around like your identity as a person outside of your work and you know, or is work just kind of blended in and it's all encompassing? Everything's kind of one thing. It's not a good answer, but it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I guess here's a, here's a tangible example I can give. There are people in my yoga community, right, who have taken my classes before who don't really know that I do other stuff, right? And that's okay because what's my, rela- like my relationship with them does not necessarily require that they know everything that I do. Cause that's not, you know, their purpose for coming to a class that I teach is to take a yoga class and get the benefits of that. So they don't need to know my life story in that process. Now, sometimes I will weave in life experiences into those classes and I'll talk about, Oh, this happened at my job. Or you know, I'll, I'll say like, I'll say like, Oh, so, so I run a business, a consulting business and this happened today. Right. So that might get peppered in. And then if they want to like follow me on Instagram later, they might see my stuff through there, but I'm not sitting there being like, oh no, this student left this class and doesn't know that I do three other things. I'm, I've, I've lost, I've sacrificed my personality here. I'm like, you can know the domain that makes sense, but I'm also not actively hiding anything from the other things either. If you take a workshop with Startup Hype Man, slide three is like a, who am I? And <laughs> it's like, Hype Man, rapper, yogi. And everyone gets to know that. And, uh, but, but they don't need to know like the extent of the yoga classes I teach if you take a workshop, right? Because that's not, what, that's not what you're there for. So it's like, you don't have to know every part of me, but I'm not, it doesn't mean I'm not bringing my full self to the table and I might mention it. Or just like, if you get to know my personality, you'll get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You'd probably do that too. I hadn't thought of it before, but now that you tell me it makes sense. 
especially I think early on in people's careers, they are still in the exploration phase, right? Like before you started taking yoga classes, um, there were other aspects that were similar to yoga. Like I know you meditated and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then there, on the other side of it, there might be, if you really were to sit down and write everything that you do down, like you cook, like, right? You, you met it, like that, that intro slide could be endless, right? If we really sat down. And so there's no way to encompass everything anyway. So it's good to have those healthy, healthy boundaries, but also not be hiding. Cause I think that's one of the hardest parts that you and I encountered at work. I, I don't want to speak for you, but, um, when I was at work, like there were a lot of rules around what you can and can't put online outside of your job and what you can share and what you can't share. And so it seemed as though the work was overreaching into people's personal lives and saying like, you can't, I think that's changed in, in the years. Like, you know, they went from casual Fridays from not casual Fridays to casual Fridays to just everything's casual. So maybe things have changed. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that there's so much in there of like, figuring out what your identity is. And so what were some of the things that helped you along the way kind of integrate those pieces? Were they always perfectly integrated or were, were there moments where you felt like you had to kept, keep everything compartmentalized? No, I definitely used to feel like I was siloed out. Um, and I'll tell you like, so like my, my previous work experience working for someone else was not like what you said. Like I felt like very comfortable being myself and um, I didn't feel like restricted really. And uh, it's funny cause now I, one of my product offerings with Startup Hype Man is making rap songs for other companies to promote their brand. And it only occurred to me like last week that version 1.0 of that was actually my first company when we rolled out a new product just for internal purposes, like at our company kickoff meeting, I like performed this, like, like I did like a remix of LL Cool J's mama said, knock you out, but I made it about this product we had made. And I just performed that for like the 40 people at like our, you know, like our sales team meeting at the beginning of the year. And that was actually a version 1.0 of it. And I, it, I totally forgot I had done that, but that was like groundwork that was laid. And I'm, and at that point when I'm like, you know, what, 23 years old or whatever, I'm not thinking, oh, I can do anything more with this. I'm not, not doing it, but I'm just not in the place in life yet where I like, can, I'm like, oh, you know, what's an interesting idea selling this as a product to other companies. And it took me, you know, until this last year to even think of doing that at all as a sellable product, but the groundwork was laid eight, nine years ago. And some of these things, it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's not a good answer, but like some of these things just take time and experience. And because even though I felt like myself at that company, I also didn't have the confidence to say, oh, I'm going to go out and do this now. Or, or felt like it was like a, a, an allowable thing to do more or less, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you just need some like, you just need some like reps or you need some like uh, swings in the batting cage, if you will, at some of this stuff. And I used on that point of like the identity stuff, I think it was only in the last, I'd say three, four years that I really stepped into that like reconciliation of my identities 
to say, oh, this is who I am and these are all the things that I do. Um, and that was an important step for me because it, it just kind of like enabled everything. It made everything easier when I just owned it all. And I said, yes, this is all me. <laughs> and I was doing a degree of it before, but not enough of it to be able to really like rest easy with everything. I don't know if that made no, it harder to understand or not. That makes perfect <laughs> sense to me. So I hope it, it resonates. If it didn't, let us know. But um, <laughs> there's there's so much in there. And I think it brings me to the next part here, which is like moving forward. You know, how do you see this stuff evolving? Um, because, you know, we can't help ourselves of thinking what the future is going to be, right? So, um, you know, as you think ahead and you picture my life is a series of projects. Um, I want to integrate these different aspects. I want to let them have space to breathe and to grow before they get pushed to spot number one and all that different stuff. Um, where do you sort of think about, what, what do you sort of view life as if, if there is no retirement, what is there? What does it look like? Because I think a lot of people just never have thought well, I feel like a lot of people our age are like, I'm not going to be allowed to retire because Social Security is going to this other BS. But, but that's more like coming from a negative place, right? There, there's not really been a lot of rhetoric around what. I, there's like two extremes. Tim Ferriss says have a retirement every year when you were blah blah blah, and then there's the other side, which is work your ass off until you retire. So, is there like a middle ground that you're striving for, or what does that sort of healthy view of a working retirement look like to you? Yeah. And I don't want to like people to mishear this and think like, don't contribute to your retirement account. Cause that is not the point here. Like definitely do that. Uh, build up a nest egg and build up a retirement egg. But to me, the idea is I'm not trying to build a career that I am supposed to retire from or feel this desire to retire from. I think like the People who are most satisfied very often are the ones who, you know, they work until they die. I mean, and work looks different, right? They're not, they're not working 70 hour weeks when they die, but they're doing something that still satisfies them. And they're not like, they didn't work 30 plus years to be able to say, well, now I don't have to work anymore. And that's the mindset that I'm on here, right? Like in the same way that an author will just keep writing books or an actor will, you know, um, you know, Joe Pesci can be in Goodfellas at age like 30 something, but then he can also play the role of like older guy when he's 80 something um, or, you know, take whomever, Meryl Streep, whatever you want. These are all people who they're not like, I'm a retired actor now, so I'm not acting anymore because a new project comes along and they say, yeah, that's interesting. It's a good use of my talents and time. So why don't I pursue that? That's just kind of, I, I and I haven't like crystallized it any more than that. I just, that's the way I look at my career unfolding is a series of projects. And I, again, I'll collect retirement income at some point. That's not, I'm not talking about the financial side of things. I'm talking about the work side of things. I am not saying, how do I, how do I bust my ass for 30 years so that I don't have to bust my ass anymore? It's how do I do meaningful work for 30 years so I can do meaningful work for another 30 years and more. Yeah, well, I'll probably be dead by then. So let's yeah. just call it. Some. <laughs> hey, you never know what technology is coming out. And so <laughs> there's, yeah. And that's a really, like, it's more about being 
engaged in things like having things to be interested in and look forward to and like picking activities that can be lifelong like i'm getting into yoga i'm getting into meditation i'm getting into all sorts of different things because those are lifelong activities versus like i'm gonna go play football or something which is like you're gonna have a real hard time doing that past a certain age right (laughs) um how many people destroy their achilles trying to play basketball at uh, an age that they shouldn't right and so like I think it really is more of like, rather than thinking about retirement versus not retirement, thinking about it as like having topics that you want to engage in throughout your life versus ones yeah. that you just use to get money to, to get to the next point in life. Um, and I actually was recently talking to someone who is retired and he said the pandemic was brutal on it because like he did have yeah, things. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I started writing short stories because I needed something to do with my brain. Like at a certain point, like I can't see my families or extended family. I can't do all these different things. So Mm -hmm. he started writing stories and he sent me some, so I'm going to read them and I'm really excited to read them. And I think like that, that to me just makes me go, well, why wait till then to write short stories, right? Like start now. And that's the kind of stuff that I think, and I don't want to write short stories. That's not my goal, but I'm saying like, if that were my thing, it's so much better to discover it 30 years early, earlier, not maybe make a career out of it, but have it there because why not? And the key to that, I don't mean to sound like cliche with this, but the key to that is really being in tune with the why. Because if you keep following that, you're like, okay, like it's, it's, it's a good compass or for decision-making. It's a good North star. You know, the number of people I'm sure you've come across this before. Uh, I actually, years ago, I used to notice it on like dating apps. The number of people who played a college sport who cannot not identify with having played a college sport. Like, oh, I played D1 soccer or whatever. I played D1, whatever, softball, basketball, baseball. Um, They, like that was such a key part of their identity for so much of their life. But now they really struggle to, to have an identity beyond that. And it could be 10 years later and they will still say, oh, I play, you know, it's, it's like the question, where did you go to college? They answer it with what sport they played in college. And that I'm, I'm like, I find that to be a shame. And, and, and to be honest, I'm like, oh, that's a potential future business idea is help these people figure out life after sports um, with where they should pursue their interests. But those are people who are really passionate about something. They had a strong interest in something, but they have not figured out their why because they have not found the suitable replacement for it yet. Um, or, or not even necessarily replacement, but like the, did that, had a good time, here's the next thing for me. And it requires being able to step back from the, the day-to-day work or the day-to-day activity and really get real with yourself on what is it about this that makes me want to participate, that drives me, that, that draws me to it. What other things could generate that similar feeling or what other things could fulfill that same emotion? Yeah. And then giving yourself the space to explore and experiment and figure it out. Cause I mean, our ideal limit adventure took 
many years of experimentation and the number of things we tried. <laughs> it's actually yeah. quite amazing to me. Like we tried so many different things. I'm pretty sure I've worn, like talk about wearing hats. Like everyone I've looked up to, I've at least attempted to do what they do. Um, like <laughs> worst, worst case, like wor worst one I ever did was try to do stand up comedy. What a mess that was. But I did it once <laughs> and I overcame that fear. And uh, I don't know if it went well. It probably went terrible. It, I mean, I know it went terrible, but it was, it happened. And like that, that to me, it's like, I don't want to be a stand-up comedian. There's no possible way I can do what those people do just neurotically. But there's, there is an incredible um, like respect I have for the fact that they've been able to do it. And then I try and just learn other aspects from them. And I think to your mm -hmm. point, it's like, yeah, you know, you got to put in those reps, you got to put in that work. And there's going to be a bunch of stuff that just doesn't work out and letting that sort of die off the branch in a way um, yeah. while the other stuff blooms is, is really key. Or you figure out like, like with that college sports example, it just came to mind, like, or you figure out, hey, I really do need that thing in my life. So what's a different version of that if I can't play it anymore? And like a really good example actually is one of my clients is this company out of Chicago called Swish House, which is basketball fitness classes started by former college players who I think one of them played like semi-pro in Europe, but they've found they're now in their late thirties, early mid forties, and they're out of shape. And the best shape they were ever in in their lives was when they were in basketball shape. So they created an entire fitness class, like a hit class specifically on a basketball court that is, and for me as a customer of that, it is like the most fun I've ever had working out. But they said, and they've, you know, they've had their careers otherwise, but they said, but you know what? <laughs> Nothing felt better in life than when I was in basketball shape. So let's bring that back. And like, I, I'm not going to make it back into the NBA or, or Europe now. I'm not going to, I can't play for the college when I'm 45 years old. What version of that can I do? And then they've, they've created this, this platform, this, this business, this fitness class around the thing that they love. So they just found a different way to create within it. I love it. And I think that's a perfect spot to end on. Um, but Raj, where can people find what you're working on and all the cool things you've got going on in life? Um, startuphypeman.com is my website. And that'll, that's for business stuff. So if that stuff interests you, go for it. Otherwise, uh, my LinkedIn uh, just type in Raj Nation, R-A-J Nation, all one word, it'll show up. Um, and yeah, that's probably good. You want to, if you want my personal Instagram, it's at Raj Nation. Um, that's like the consortium of my life uh, is documented there. The consortium of my life. I like that phrase to end on. Well, <laughs> new, thanks. new kid cutty song, consortium <laughs> to my life. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, man. It's been an absolute pleasure catching up and uh, we hope to have you back soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build 
their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.